Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts for the evening, Lavendar and Anastasia. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our show from September 6th, be sure you look for it in our on-demand archives here on Blog Talk. You'll hear some great news that can benefit Starseeds and their missions. Well, tonight... Uh, Lavendar, Riley, and I will discuss the current astrology with so many retrograde planets at this time. And then Riley has a masterful presentation on the connection between starseeds and neutrinos. Have you ever come across the word neutrino? It's a word that refers to a neutral particle given off by stars. Now, what does this word have to do with starseeds? Well, everything. In the second half of the show, Riley will unfold the genius quantum design of a starseed. Also, you can find much of Lavendar's light information for starseeds in the Vault of Knowledge on our website, which is starseedhotline.com forward slash vault, and you'll get right to it. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And also, um, if you have starseed children or grandchildren and you're constantly trying to get them off the screens, I've written a book to help children want to put the phone down and reconnect with Mother Nature by understanding the animal guides of Native America. It's called Magical Messages from the Animal Kingdom, and it's on Amazon. So if you just type Ariel Taylor in the search bar, you'll get right to it. And we'd like to thank Kathy for hosting the switchboard tonight uh, for those who may have a question or comment for Riley. And as I said, our main website is starseedhotline.com, and the Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a live Zoom session with um, any of us except Lavendar because she has retired. So she can finish her book and continue writing for Starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. You can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please order that a week or two before your birthday. So first up tonight, I want to introduce Anastasia and her fascinating Starseed news. Yay! <laughs> Good evening, everybody. Bear with me. I have the autumn allergies going on, so oh. I've been sniffling, and I hope it don't sound too awful. Anyway, oh, it's great yeah. to be with you, and we've got some news tonight, so let's dig in. Uh, this is a rather light, light-hearted news night. I think it's time for something that's fun, and so I'm going to be fun with you tonight, I hope. This okay. is about the first story starting off is about a Japanese man who gets paid to do nothing. What a dream job. (laughs) People (laughs) in the world have told me I want to get paid and do nothing. Well, there's a man named Soji, lives in Tokyo. He has what some people would see as a dream job because he gets to do, like I said, pretty much nothing. He's 38 years old. He charges 10,000 yen, which actually is $71, per booking with clients to accompany people 
and simply be their companion. He said, basically, I rent myself out. My job is to be wherever my clients want me to be and do nothing in particular. He said that he handled some 4,000 sessions in the past four years. There's a picture on the Internet. He has a lanky build, average-looking, and he now boasts nearly a quarter of a million followers on Twitter, where he finds most of his clients. Roughly a quarter of these people are repeat customers, including one who has hired him 270 times. His job has taken him to a park with the person who wanted to play on a seesaw. He has also beamed and waved through a train window at a complete stranger who simply wanted him to send them off. Doing nothing doesn't mean that he'll do anything, however. He's turned down offers to move a refrigerator. He didn't want to go to Cambodia, and he doesn't take any requests about intimate matters. (laughs) Anyway, last week he sat opposite a female, 27-year-old data analyst, and she was wearing an Indian sari. Uh, now, that in Japan, you don't wear different stuff. You pretty much conform. And uh, so she was having a, a very sparse conversation with Soji over tea and cakes. She said, I wanted to wear the Indian garment in public, but, it, but I was worried it might embarrass my friends. So what did she do? She turned to Soji, and she paid him for his companionship so she could wear something different that wouldn't embarrass anybody. She was with a stranger. She said, with my friends, I feel like I have to entertain them. But with the rental guy, I don't feel like I need to be chatty, she said. So (laughs) he tells us that before he found his true calling, he worked at a publishing company and was often scolded by his supervisors for doing nothing. He said, I started wondering what would happen if I provided my ability to do nothing as a service to clients. (laughs) Well, he started a companionship business. It's now his sole source of income, and believe it or not, he supports his family with it. Now, all he didn't tell the reporters how much money he makes. He said he sees about one or two clients a day, figure it out. And before the pandemic, he said it was three or four days, so the pandemic knocked that back some, but still, a couple clients a day. He said as he spent, uh, as he spent a Wednesday doing nothing of importance in Tokyo, he reflected on the bizarre nature of his job and appeared to question the society that values productivity and de- derides uselessness. He said... People tend to think that my doing nothing is valuable because it's useful to others. But you know what? It's, it's really fine not to do anything at all. There's nothing wrong with that, he said. So there you have it. By the way, $1 American money is 140 yen. If you want to do some conversion there on that. So there's a man who makes a living what he calls doing nothing. Hey, we might try that over here on this side of the ocean. But what a story. It says yeah. a lot really about how lonely people are and how much we spend of our lives trying to be careful about what others think about us. This young girl that wanted to wear an Indian sari, which is beautiful fabric, they're very pretty. But I was afraid she would make others feel awkward so she paid for a stranger to have tea and and cakes with her so she could dress up. Wow. <laughs> what a world. All right. Now, I'm going to share this story with you tonight because it is so important. Um, in my work with people, my spiritual work that I do, I have found over the years that one of the problems we have with our spirituality is we take ourselves so very, very seriously. You know, being an adult means carrying lots and lots of burdens, worries, concerns. Look at the woman who was afraid to wear her sari to the restaurant because of what her friends might say. We are so 
uh, overburdened with hang-ups of all kinds that has to do with the grown-up model of doing things. Well, scientific research has now shown us that uh, there are reasons that adults need to play like children. And there is an old uh, saying, it's a nursery rhyme, all work and no play makes Jane a dull girl. Well, this nursery rhyme, as it turns out, has real hidden wisdom. The fact is, everybody, we take ourselves so seriously. We so get into our worries and our troubles and our complaints and our you know, obsession, obsessive thinking. And Oh, my God. We need downtime, and we need silly activities to recharge after a day or even a week of work. Our brains are constantly going, even while our bodies are plunked in one place, maybe typing at the computer, or messing with the remote control, whatever. But scientists are telling us now that in order to prevent burn, burnout, we need to refresh that creative energy. It will make us feel better. It will improve our relationships. And to do that, we don't have to work harder at being creative. Heaven forbid, don't do that. That's just going to suffocate it. What you need to do is take some time off, and believe it or not, get back to your childhood roots. You need to play. Now, for years and years, we had here uh, childhood um, inner child workshops. And we did wonderful things. I mean, we did fun things. Just imagine being a kid. And I can tell you that every adult, with the exception of maybe one, who came to this class had a hard time with that. They had a really hard time coloring with crayons. You'd think I'd ask them to... I don't know what. Pull, uh, you know, I don't know. Do something harmful to themselves, okay? It was so difficult. Um, silly games, fun backyard games. Everybody felt embarrassed, awkward. Everybody's looking at each other. Was, they, they, didn't know how to, they did not know how to put this in context. And I never worked so hard to help somebody grow spiritually as I did when I worked with their inner kid because it's gone. For most people, it's gone. So tonight I wanted to talk to you about this and share with you this research because it is news. I'm not just lecturing at you. It's news, and it's relevant, and it's never more relevant than it is right now. Grown-ups need time, like kids, to have some recess, to run around, to blow off steam, and be yourself. How long has it been? I, I, honest question to you. I can't hear your answer, all of you out there. Be very honest with yourself. How long has it been since you've just been yourself well we let kids play and be themselves and be crazy and naughty and even impertinent and embarrassing why don't we treat ourselves the same way why is it okay for children to be children and when we suddenly grow up at some point it was never sudden it seemed to take forever but finally when we did reach adulthood we look back and we go oh I guess no more that's dead to me well shame on us we don't need to be that way. Adults need to play more. Research says, scientific studies are showing that the power of play is magical for adults, just like it is for kids. And so here are science-based reasons. I'm going to give you seven of them. Why you really need to make it a, a, uh, a mandatory thing for you to get out and to play more. Number one is you're going to be a lot less stressed. Did you know that playing releases endorphins? which are those feel-good chemicals that help us stay on an even keel or even feel happy when we're going through the day. The strong endorphin rush of playing a game that we like or just being silly and laughing for no reason counteracts the effects of the negative hormone cortisol. 
that leaves us feeling sluggish, depressed, brain fogged. So when it gets too heavy, you feel like you've got heavy legs, you're sleepy, you're kind of depressed, get out and do something fun. Play. We'll talk about that in just a minute. How to play. I'm going to give you some suggestions because I think a lot of us have forgotten. Well, number two on this list is you're going to have better relationships. Really. When you learn not to be so serious all the time, it's going to change everything in your life. You take a light touch. You learn that by participating in games and fun activities with your friends or family. Not only does it bring you all closer together, but it builds trust. And when we start to understand that our friends and teammates have our back, well, then we can take care of them too. And when we share a joke or laugh with somebody, this releases, guess what, oxytocin. Yeah, the hug hormone, the chemical that helps us feel connected to another person. There's two very good reasons why you should play like a child. Number three is that you'll have more energy. Yeah, play restores our vitality. It supports our immune system. Think of how we fuss over that. Echinacea this, vitamin C that, blah, blah, blah. How about if we just get out and play? It helps us be healthy. It gives us energy for the rest of the day. So when you're feeling drained, the best thing to do might be to go outside and fly a kite. Yeah, instead of falling back on that cup of coffee, a cup of coffee or a latte, or even just your usual old run. You know, the gym workout, which has really become a workout, that's an adult thing to do. How about have some fun? The combination of physical activity and a no-strings-attached novelty is going to give you a much longer pick-me-up time. Number four, it's going to make you more creative. You star seeds are full of potential. Ideas, things brewing around in there, things that are backed up, you know, frustrated, you don't know quite what to do with yourself. You've got all of this potential. And you don't know quite what to do with it. But play is going to open you to new experiences. You're going to get new ideas. It activates your imagination. It cuts you free from the worries about what other people think, what might happen. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it safe? Is it scary? What? You just let go. And doing stuff just for the fun of it. Well, that's everything that your inner editor is trying to silence. That inner editor, it's a problem. But when we play, we don't worry about if we're doing something right or if we look silly. We enjoy the moment and we roll with it. Wow, that is so freedom. That is so Mm. fabulous. Think about little kids turning cardboard boxes into spaceships or race cars. They're not telling themselves the box is just a box, right? Mm -hmm. That's the power of play. It lets you stop being a rational, analytical adult, an overthinking person for just a while to give you a chance to be in the moment and letting your mind wander where it will. Set it free. Have mercy. Number five, you're going to improve your brain function. Have you been forgetting words? Are you forgetting things? Are you troubled by just being kind of dull? Well, you need something new. You need to play. You could do puzzles. You could get involved in sports. You could... Learn to take a challenging golf shot or anything you can name. But it will make your brain work harder to form new connections. We can even play hearts on the computer. Do something that's going to be, uh, your brain's going to have to figure it out. It will make uh, new synapses, new connections, and that will help prevent uh, cognitive decline. 
And from animal experience to human studies, science has shown that having the opportunity to do new things, to solve puzzles, for instance, improves mental function and your mood. Number six, you're going to sleep better. Active play helps tire us out and allows us to sleep more soundly at night. Remember how you slept as a child? You can do that again if you'll have more fun. You'll wake up less and you'll have a much more restorative deep sleep. And last but not least, you know what else is going to happen when you take playtime? You're going to be more confident. Because every time you succeed at something, it boosts your confidence. Think about it. Think about how the world sticks your nose on that grindstone, man. And there's so many things that can beat you down. There's no chance to be free. There's no chance to experience little joys. Well, when you play and, and when you succeed at something that you're playing at, little by little you're going to believe and you do believe that you can do anything you put your mind to. These are things you can conquer because life, by and large, is really in your own mind. Confidence is a matter of thought. And when you believe you can do what you put your mind to, you can get unstoppable self-confidence and the attitudes that you need to succeed. Now, succeeding in a game like Checkers or Microsoft Hearts or whatever computer game you play gives you an experience of self-confidence that supports your efforts to develop and grow. What do you know about that? So, you want to fit more play into your day? How about these? Splash in the puddles the next time it rains. I dare you. Walk with your dog. Get into a snowball fight. Get a Frisbee and play it with somebody. Go for a swim. Play Pictionary or charades. Take a bike ride. Here's one, one of my favorites. I challenge you tonight to make a flower arrangement out of dandelions and whatever else you can find. Imagine your little three-year-old chubby hands going along and picking all the flowers that you could find. Often they were dandelions. Let your inner child have his or her little say and go pick some flowers, whatever you can find. Don't throw them away either. Put them in a little dish and keep them on your desk for a while to remind you what it is to be childlike. Play some mini golf. Don't kids love mini golf? I like mini golf and I, well, I'm a big kid. But (laughs) chronologically, not a kid at all. You can fly a kite. There's a good one. I love this one too. Try finger painting and pretend you're five years old again. It's so good for you. Have a board game night. When was the last time you all played Monopoly or goodness knows what? Climb a tree. Oh, well, you know, unless you're over, you know, if you're under 70, you could try that. Mess around (laughs) with some Play-Doh, play hopscotch, jump rope, blow bubbles, and get on a carousel. You get the idea. So go ahead, all you beautiful star seeds. Don't take yourself seriously and learn to be a child again. It's so important. There, I got that out. How was that rant? But yeah, it's based yeah. Science. Well, it's all about it's, it's all about balance. True. It's it all about is, balance. You know, that's right. That's right. Uh, and you just don't. You, you know, we often look at other people around us, and they're kind of our cue on how we should behave. Well, the world's for, forgot all about this. There, you're not going to find any leadership out there that's going to tell you to go play. It's just not, nobody in corporate America is going to tell you to go play. Well, maybe you know. In, in a, what, yeah. <laughs> conference or something. But I mean, it's not a part of our culture. You have to teach the culture, and you have to do it by learning to do it yourself. This is part of the new world. It's part of the new way. And actually, in my personal opinion, there's no consciousness, no elevated consciousness without it. It's the best thing you could do for yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally, and career-wise. It's good for you. 
Well, we all like our produce, and I'm a salad lover. I think all of you are too. There is something that happens right now across the world, way over in Cairo, Egypt. They have a supermarket that's taking its produce aisle to a new level of freshness. What they're doing is they're equipping refrigerators with hydroponic grow boxes. And the customers can buy different kinds of lettuce right there in the store because there won't be any worries about the lettuce being fresh. Uh, They have hydroponic grow systems in their refrigerators, and that uses 90% less water than soil gardening. It's perfect for fast-growing greens. It's grown right there in the grocery store. There's no cost or or, uh, climate effects from transportation, and it's fresh. This fresh produce company hopes to expand this technology because they want to reduce the carbon footprint of travel associated with delivering fresh fruits and vegetables. And hydroponic farms are becoming more and more common in metropolitan areas, creating indoor vertical farms that are stored in warehouses or rooftop gardens. We have so many answers that we are finding in this world. One of my favorite, I'm going to look at the clock here, I guess I have time for this. One of my favorite stories tonight is about a little boy. He's 11 years old and he's got a heart of gold. Uh, this little boy used his own birthday money to launch a food bank service where he runs, that he runs all by himself with his parents' help, of course, from his garden shed. Now, there's photographs that accompany this story, and I'd love to share them with you, but I can't. His name's Isaac. He fills bags of groceries, which have been donated, and hands them out to the needy people around his hometown. Now, since starting his food bank in 2020, his little service has grown so much that Isaac's family bought a bigger shed to store the hundreds and hundreds of donated items. His mother said, We'd always donated to food banks as a family, and during the pandemic, he would take food parcels into school where he would be given, given these uh, parcels to people in need. Well, uh, recently, they had to move Isaac to a specialist school. You'll find out why in a minute. Uh, they they had, didn't have that program where they helped the, the hungry, and that left the little boy really depressed because he couldn't continue to help people. He wanted to help people. He wanted to give people food. His school didn't have a program. She said, being the resilient little boy he is, he said to me, it's all right, Mom. We'll just give them food at my house. (laughs) She said, I was laughing, but he had just broken his arm, so I let him do it just to cheer him up. I doubled what money we gave them normally for food parcels, and he took off to Aldi, Aldi food chain. Nice food at Aldi. Uh, To get food out, his parents give him a lift in the van on weekends, which is painted with his rainbow logo, his own logo. He drew it. And sometimes Isaac carries bags of groceries to the people around town on foot. He's 11 years old. And then those people who have immediate need for food can go to Isaac's food bank shed in his hometown, which is open 24 hours a day, and they could just help themselves. This little shed is in their driveway, and they invite people to come up into their driveway, into this food bank shed. It's open 24 hours a day to help themselves if they need food. Now, Isaac is expanding his service with a local charity to open a food bank in town. Grocers have offered their excess meat and produce, and a YouTuber donated a van, fully fully taxed and insured, paid for, to help get this food bank mobile. In addition, his parents had to buy a bigger shed to put on the driveway, and until the town... businesses started they're going to operate continue to operate from their driveway they said for his 11th birthday he just wanted food bank donations and the shed was absolutely crammed 
He just wanted to get as many donations as possible to help as many people as he can. Well, Isaac, the 11-year-old, who, by the way, has a, um, a condition, a genetic condition, uh, where he can't read and he can't write. That's why he had to go to a special school. But he's now been nominated for a local business award, and he hopes to open his second town-sized food bank uh, next month. Wow. Wow. Awesome. And this is a story about, story about horses. And it's not too unusual to hear stories about lost dogs being reunited with their families after very long stretches. We've had some of those stories here on our show. And cats show up, too. Cats do, too. But stallions... Well, that's the case in northwestern Utah, where Mongo the horse is back home after eight years of roaming the desert with his wild cousins. The owner says Mongo disappeared on a camping trip when he broke free from his tether as a herd of wild mustangs ran by. Can you just see that in your mind? The owner said, I went back every weekend for three years to see if he was there. He said this to the Washington Post. He said, I reported him missing and tried every person I could to find him. But I never saw Mongo again. Until September last month, that is when officers from the Bureau of Land Management rounded up Mongo along with other wild horses. They saw his brand and notified his owner. The owner said, it's crazy. He still acts the same, same horse. Years of being wild, and he acts like nothing ever happened. Mongo's about 18 years old now, and life in the wild has left him underweight. But the owner says he's now working on getting the horse back up to his normal weight with extra helpings of hay and oats. Now, for a horse to not forget, uh, what kind of intelligence is that? Is that awesome? What a wonderful story. Mongo found his way back home, probably against his will, (laughs) but I'm sure that he appreciates the extra hay and oats. And at 18, maybe now he doesn't care too much about being wild with a herd, who knows. But I'm sure his owner's going to take wonderful care of him. And there's that story. So we are coming up on the first day of autumnal equinox. It's the 22nd. So in the spirit of children and of adults who have remembered that their luminescent spiritual light resides in the heart of their playful inner child, I leave you all with this. This comes from Winnie the Pooh, from Pooh's Grand Adventure. Winnie said, It's the first day of autumn, a time of hot chocolatey mornings and toasty marshmallow evenings, and best of all, leaping into leaves. (laughs) So... From my heart to each one of you, much love, everyone. Go play, go play, and enjoy your lives. Be happy. I love each and every one of you. Thank you, Ariel. I'll catch you oh, next time. Thank you so much, Anastasia. That was that was very enjoyable. So we'll <laughs> we'll talk to you in two weeks. All right. Good night. Okay. Good night. Okay. So. Uh, now I am going to get uh, Lavendar and Riley's mic open. Just let me look. Okay, there you are. Okay, Lavendar and Riley, are we ready to go? Ready. I am. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> 
so, Riley. I am so happy to have you uh, talk to us about, you know, astrology and where the planets are, especially these retrograde, plant, ret- retrograde planets. And, of course, I really am wanting to hear more about neutrinos. So wherever you want to start, Riley, just start. All right. Well, um, let's start with something kind of fun that's happening right now. Um, I'm talking about the sun and Venus are having quite a lovely interaction together in Libra. That's going to be lasting for about the next two weeks. Something fun about this conjunction is that the babies being born right now are going to be particularly good-looking when they grow to maturity. So it's bringing this future beauty to the earth, which is always lovely and exciting. So it's something to look forward to, all the beautiful people that will be adding to earth's population um, in the years to come but are being born right now. I did notice that Mercury is also kind of part of that uh, energetic, which means their brains will be more balanced. They won't be so triggered into polarity as as other people. Oh, yeah. Well, and with beauty comes this kind of symmetry anyway. And so it it just gets reflected in, yeah, exactly, the, the different aspects the different expressions, whether it's mental, emotional, physical. Right. Yeah. So so we have so many of these planets right now that have been retrograde, and, of course, Mm -hmm. a week ago Sunday we had Pluto going direct, and when Pluto goes direct it really creates a global energetic and, of course, you know, watching the news and seeing what's happening in the world you, you kind of can tell that energies have speeded up. Let's just put it that way. So anything you want to say about about Pluto or, or any of the other retrograde planets, just go ahead and, and give us a brief description of what you've been tracking. Yeah. So Mars and Pluto have a relationship in the sense that, just very briefly, Mars used to be considered the ruler of both Aries and Scorpio, and there were a lot of attributes that were shared between those two signs, Um, one of which, though, was energy and power, just expressed differently, one in a fire sign and one in a water sign. But then the discovery of Pluto, they finally put Pluto and Scorpio together. However, there is still that remembrance and slight resonance uh, between those two zodiac signs and therefore between the two ruling planets. I explain all of this because it helps to characterize the type of energy that Pluto holds, powerful, galvanizing energy. It's like the older brother of Mars. So it's a bit more matured and packs a stronger punch. 
when Pluto goes direct, especially right now that it's in Capricorn, all of that power and energy moves forward. It thrusts forward and it activates once again this externalization of the expression that is Pluto and Capricorn, which has a lot to do with the land, with the earth. So there, it's like somebody turned a, a switch on, and that somebody would be the universe, and it started to once again pulsate, coming from up, from, from the earth, up into us once again, giving us this extra oomph of a charge. Well, this charging is causing this desire to move forward, to express personal power, especially in the form of personal authority, okay? However, however, it's actually coming out more as, um, you know, in a horse race, where the horses, they're ready. They're ready to get going, but the gate is still closed. That gate is Saturn and Uranus, both wearing each other. They are a big, fat no right now. They are still holding back any kind of forward movement as they're hashing out with each other, basically, about the coming in of the new paradigm shift and what is to be released in the old paradigm ways and, and structures and forms. So they're, they're having a bit of a battle of the titans right now. However, it is all happening internally. So the visions of where to go next are not clarified yet, but we can feel, we can feel that, it is here. It is coming. We just can't see it or touch it, which can be a little frustrating. I know a lot of people I've talked to recently, ever since Pluto went direct, have expressed this frustration of, I'm ready, but it's not happening, and things keep falling through, or you know, things aren't moving forward. Well, this is why. So we've got a little bit. So let me ask, let me ask you. When Saturn and Uranus square, it's like Saturn says, no, 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 and Uranus says, yes, 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 and it's stalemate. Is that right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, yes. To clarify, Saturn is the planet of boundaries and structures and limitations, which are essential for this physical existence. And Uranus is the planet of revolution it's rebellion, it's liberation, it's shaking up the status quo to evolve to the next. And notice that the North Node and Uranus have been conjunct now for about the last two or three weeks, and it, it, and it looks like it's going to stay there a little bit longer. Um, I, I kind of look at Uranus, the North Node, as being the destiny of the planet is is foremost right now. Whatever the destiny of the, of the planet is, Uranus is bringing the lightning and thunder to make it happen. Is that the way you view that? Yes, and spoiler alert, 
in this butting of heads, Uranus will prevail uh, because the North Node is on the side of Uranus. It is, uh, they're sharing uh, power. And the North Node is exactly what you were just saying. It's like the destiny of the planet. There's this destiny of changing of foundations and fundamentals in the forms of values and beliefs, which are the basic structures, internal structures, that produce these physical experiences that we have as creators. So that's that's the grand conclusion that's being worked towards. In the meantime, Saturn is kind of battling out for the details of the form that things will be taking. Let's look at Jupiter. Jupiter, you know, um, is retrograde, but, but something that I noticed when I looked at the ephemeris today is that for about two weeks it's going to be zero, zero. So <laughs> I'm wondering, because um, I've been really tracking the zero, zero planets lately, it's where I, uh, my definition of this is it's the crack between the worlds, all right. It's like when, when a, uh, a planet changes signs, it's it's neither it's nowhere it's it's almost a, it's like zero it's it's at a still place and it's having to make a decision where it's going is kind of the way I look at this, but for it to be zero zero for the next two weeks or so, what do you think is going to happen on the planet, especially with politics and with with Ukraine? Yeah, well, with the retrograde energy being in Aries right now, which is a fire sign, which is all about, besides pioneering and new beginnings and all of that, the energy of spring in it, it's also about the authentic expression of self, of the individual. So I see this really communicating with everyone at the individual level where there's this mm, reviewing and feeling and recalibrating of how each and every one of us is relating to ourselves, to our power as an individual, as who we are, and asking that question, who am I and what am I doing here? What am I bringing? Well, those questions are seeds of potency because, yeah, I think it is going to ultimately affect things at a global scale that are unfolding, unwinding, and anything based in these old structures that no longer serve are going to be purified in the fires of purification basically and Jupiter doesn't just stop in Aries Jupiter continues to retrograde into Pisces into the higher degree points of Pisces for that matter so that brings on a whole other dimension to all of this literally because it actually brings in all of the other dimensions 
all of the other lifetimes, all of the other experiences, and really opens things up. It's like the bridges are opened to all these soul memories, and it's contributing to this conversation that's internal with all of us, asking, who am I? What am I doing here? It's these memories coming back in a stronger way, because this is yet another way, because Jupiter already passed through here. Now he's coming back, revisiting, and helping to really pop open those memories. And those pieces of information that come from those memories are really going to inform these future decisions that will be asked of us to make um, coming up here. So let me, let me ask you, with Jupiter going backwards, I kind of see Jupiter as backing up against Neptune, kind of backing up going, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to let Neptune uh, um, overshadow me for a short period of time. And then once that the Neptune-Jupiter aspect happens and then it goes direct, it looks like to me that we're gathering all spiritual knowledge during that period of time from our records. Could that happen? Yes, exactly. Yes. This is kind of putting the key in the lock, turning it, and opening up that door and stepping into that library that is you and just kind of taking it all in, soaking it all in. And also reminding, reminding us. Can I ask you something, Riley? Sure. Hello. Yeah, okay. When I see zero Aries, I have to think about Athena. So, mm. you know, that's, you know, Athena's birthday when the first day of spring, zero Aries. So star seeds that are aligned with the goddess energy, how would you kind of weave that in there? New beginnings for the goddess, new, uh, you know, understanding, new information. How would you see that? Yeah, exactly. This is, we're seeing right now, you know what, I'm not even going to say seeing, because it's not, it doesn't come to the surface yet. We're feeling right now this doubling up, this preparation of this huge forward momentum that is ultimately a goddess play. That, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That is definitely going to be contributing to this um, situation of, again, bringing Libra back into it, this balancing of divine feminine, divine masculine energies that are expressed on the planet where there is this, it's almost like a, a quickening with this Uranus energy coming in and Jupiter contributing its amplifying powers that starts within each of us that will be expressed when Jupiter goes direct in a more externalized way in which the goddess aspect in all of us becomes that purifying fire that will ultimately assist in the kind of like the final demolition 
of these old structures. And with that comes, um, well, a bit of chaos, but it's like a happy chaos. It's like, wow, okay, the rules have been changed, and the authorities have been changed on the rules. We are the authority now. And so it's a great responsibility, but it's also a great project that we can work together with, uh, communicate about, and really rely on those gifts that we have started brought to the planet for this time and start to apply them to this rebuilding process. But now we're getting really ahead of it. That's way down there. I kind of gave you like a sneak peek at the end of this book that we're reading right now. But yeah, exactly. This double zero in Aries is the beginning of all of that. So, so let like me the ask you. Of the be... goddess. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so Riley, you and I were talking the other day about something that was happening on Thanksgiving Day, and it was Jupiter going direct. So, can you imagine yeah. what's going to happen with family dinners? when all this energy has been going backwards and all of a sudden it goes direct on Thanksgiving. Can you comment yeah. on that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have another piece of pie, please. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Get, get the pie out. Interesting. Okay. On that day, with families coming together and, you know, diverse stories and opinions and such, um, especially with this stellium in Sagittarius. It's like everyone's got the ripped pocket mouth effect going on, and it's all of these mm, memories bubbling up to the surface. You've got this reversal of fortune aspect also occurring, and when Neptune goes direct after, so Thanksgiving Day kind of lays the playing field for this, and then December 4th, when Neptune goes direct, that's when this full effect of karmic reaping comes into play. So all of these seeds that have been sown, all of these intentions, the fruit of those come up to the surface and reveal themselves and come to collect. Wow. That's right on my birthday, practically. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> I can see you jumping out of the cake. Um, yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Do you um, think? Can I ask a question here? Go ahead. the The fact that Saturn is in Aquarius and Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius, and the two planets are square. Um, I I kind of feel like this is really going to shake up people's belief systems if they if they don't have a strong foundation in truth, and certainly that that needs to happen on this planet. But also, um, I'm I'm you know it's like I guess hoping that having Saturn in Aquarius kind of puts some some limits on the. Um, unbridled advancement of technology leaving our you know our spiritual wisdom kind of in the dust just like Atlantis 
So can you see that um, an opening there for for people to say, wait a minute, just because it's for sale, does it mean it's good for me? Um, and you right. know, people holding on to um, belief systems that are, you know, 20th century and or older, um, not only as a you know as a population, but on a personal level, I see that you know kind of a a shake up there with that square energy. Yeah, um, what comes to mind is um, like a record scratching, and the music has been changed, but it's like those who have been doing the dance that was appropriate for the previous music um, kind of wake up to the fact that the music has been different for quite a while now. And I realize, oh, my goodness, I've been doing an inappropriate dance to this. I've been all that. So it's kind of like a, a, a startling wake-up call to, oh, my goodness, I've been surrounded by a different kind of energy this whole time. Uh, but it is an opportunity to kind of look around and feel into the new rhythm. And this is what I was talking about in terms of these choices that will be coming out, certainly in the form of these technologies um, that are currently being rolled out, these programs that are coming to the forefront that push to go more um, cyber, to put more aspects of our lives in the cyber sphere. Yes, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of power in the individual to make choices for themselves based on these newer value systems of, you know what, I've realized after the experience of X amount of time that this is not in my best interest, especially health-wise. Therefore, I'm going to choose differently. I will no longer be putting my energy into this decision simply because it is a structured program that is there. I have other options. And even if I don't see other options, I can create them. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 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 So, Riley, uh, go ahead and tell us more about uh, anything that you want to say about the retrogrades because I do want you to get to neutrinos here pretty soon. So what, what would you have to say about the, maybe the eclipses that are coming? Yeah. So 25th, this month, in just a handful of days, we have a partial solar eclipse. And that's when the sun and the moon are conjunct exactly. Uh, this time they're at two degrees in Scorpio. So this is a new moon. Um, Venus is also going to be involved in this. Uh, among many things, Scorpio is a sign of resources, um, monetary and otherwise. It's, it's the energy of wealth. Uh, and with Venus interacting with this solar eclipse, that's very exciting. What I'm saying is we have something to kind of look forward to resource-wise, 
uh, with this partial solar eclipse uh, at the end of this month. It's like a, a, a sweet little bump um, for those who have been uh, keeping track of their own energies and taking stock in um, how they've been spending their energies. Uh, there's this wonderful mm, reaping of benefits um, as a result or reaping of, mm, I guess we can just call them consequences uh, as a result. Either way, it certainly serves as a bit of a wake-up call for those who have been kind of frittering away uh, their energies. And so it's an opportunity to say, hey, 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 look at what you're supporting. Do you agree with this? And if not, let's make a change. Let's transform. Let's transmute this energy. Likewise, those who have been paying sharp attention to what they are supporting energetically, uh, they're going to be getting this kind of like a, a reward of great job. This is great. It's in alignment for you. And uh, keep it. Keep up the good work. Keep going. So you get a nice little boost there. And then on November 8th, we have a lunar. This will be at 16 degrees. And on one side of the sky, you'll have the sun, Mercury, and Venus all in Scorpio. And then on the other side of the sky, so there's a lot of opposition energy going on, also in 16 degrees, you'll have the moon, Uranus, and the part of fortune all in Taurus. There's a lot to unpack here, but just for the sake of time, this is another layer of what was started with this partial solar eclipse on October 25th, but it goes deeper, excavating layer, that has us really pulling up the rest of the roots of these old programs that have been installed uh, in us as a result of, you know, coming to this planet when we did, um, old learned programs particular to values and resources and the exchange of resources based on the perception of value an, an item or an experience might have. There's these fears finally being released once and for all having to do with um, barren or, you know, those kinds of um, underbelly themes of Venus or, you know, not being good enough, not being worthy, et cetera. And it's just this incredibly empowering shift. Once releasing those fears, shifting into this realization of the treasure has always been within. It's just been waiting for you to take note of it and to put your focus on it. And I'm getting this a lot from this, situation with the moon, Uranus, and the part of fortune all hanging out there in Taurus saying, knock, knock, it's not complicated. It's very simple, actually. You are a treasure. So share it 
and and just be you. But you go through the Scorpio process first, which is the overcomplication of things. It can get a little quagmire, but Venus is there, and she's giving loving support to indicating what's happening on the other side of the wheel of, hey, look what's over there. Go for that. Empower yourself and realize the truth of who and what you are. Hello, Lav, you there? Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I muted muted myself. Okay. Uh, I wanted to say that, you know, sometimes we uh, don't know what our name is on. And I think that the eclipse in October and then the, the eclipse in December, those are two shots of energy that says to a person, you better find out what your name is on and what's comfortable for you. What is your natural state? If you're an artist and you're stuck in a eight-to-five job, you know, doing math, and you're not happy, and and you really are an artist, you came here to paint and to to bring, you know, uh, uh, another kind of energy to the planet. Here's a time when a lot of shakeup is going to go on on the planet. Is what I'm looking, especially with that Jupiter being zero zero, because that seems to give people another insight to the unseen that's been happening. It's like people wake up and go, oh, I see that for the first time. I think that's going to happen. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, certainly. Tremendous psychological changes, for sure. Yeah. So why don't you tell us now about neutrinos? Because the experience that we had at the Quest, I know that you went to the Crystal Dig and had some, in fact, there were, I believe, sunspots happening that day. And the neutrinos were very strong, and you were over quartz crystal, and you had a presentation you were going to give. And then once you came back from the crystal dig, you changed your presentation and wanted to tell us about neutrinos. And it was probably one of the most magnificent presentations I have ever witnessed in my life. I wish that we would have recorded it because it was just, it was so stellar. So at this time, would you please share with us? what you have discovered about neutrinos. Yes, of course. Now, admittedly, this um, this information is definitely more accessible when you can see the pictures and go through the whole thing. But for the sake of time, I am going to trim it a bit, and I'm going to do my best to communicate the visualizations uh, to you all and really make it compact. Um, Okay, so uh, with that, starting with the word neutrino. So neutrino simply means a particle that is smaller than a neutron that is a neutral particle. It has no charge. It's almost like a a ghost, okay? Now, there are, so far, approximately three places, quote-unquote, that neutrinos have been detected. Uh, The scientific community have detected cosmic neutrinos, solar neutrinos, and geo-neutrinos. Now, in order to understand the significance of this finding, which is still pretty recent. Um, It was within this uh, century that 
this was discovered or uncovered. Um, so now we have our attention on it. In order to understand uh, the mechanisms of this discovery, it's important that we look at some, some quantum and nuclear physics, okay? So bear with me. Uh, science was not my favorite subject in school. So it's kind of amazing that I'm even able to tap into this topic uh, and it was certainly due to the experience at the dig um, that definitely assisted in this uh, understanding. So I'm going to break it down to elementary level. And what I'm going to be talking about is the CNO cycle. That stands for carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen cycle. This is the cycle of nuclear fusion. So this is what happens in the sun. Okay, so we start with nitrogen. And before we start, actually, it's an important fundamental, I guess, a law that occurs at this microscopic level of particle. And that is all particles follow this one rule. They will always be brought back into balance. They seek balance and stability, and they will get to that state at any cost. Now, the way they get to that state ultimately is through releasing for the sake of equilibrium and balance and stability. There's a lot that we can learn from this function of particles. You're, you're kind of drifting out with the volume on your phone. Can you make sure you're right up on the phone? Sure. Is this better? Okay. Okay. So we start with nitrogen in this cycle. Now, inside the sun, you've got an immense amount of pressure pushing things together. You've got all these different particles, and you've also got hydrogen. These hydrogen particles are kind of shooting off as if, you know, somebody shot off a bullet in a very enclosed space with no exit. So these little hydrogen bullets are constantly bumping into things. So, for example, when they bump into a nitrogen atom, uh, it destabilizes the nitrogen. So the nitrogen has no choice but to give something off. Well, in this case, it will give off a new created uh, particle, helium, okay? So that's a byproduct. Well, when it does this, it becomes carbon. So carbon is, once again, a, a stabilized form of nitrogen. Well, then here comes another hydrogen particle, bumps into the carbon, or, yeah, the carbon, excuse me. Well, when it does that, it, once again, is destabilized, and must release something. Well, in this instance, gamma ray is released. So gamma rays are byproducts of this nuclear fusion process with the sun. Okay, we're almost done. Suddenly, when that gamma ray is given off, carbon turns back into nitrogen. However, 
it's a destabilized form of nitrogen. So once again, things must be released to reach stability and balance. The two things that are released with this unstable nitrogen particle are positrons and neutrinos. And this is how a neutrino is born, okay, or given off. And then the cycle continues as it destabilizes, restabilizes through giving off, destabilizes, restabilizes through giving off. And so this is constantly happening rapidly. And the sun, therefore, is giving off light, neutral, invisible particles called neutrinos. These neutrinos are passing to and through us every day, every second, by the trillions of trillions. There are just so many of them. And scientists were staggered at the sheer amount of neutrinos that are produced to the point of recognizing neutrinos as one of the fundamental uh, and, and materials or immaterials making up uh, existence, physical existence. But they were a little confusing because they didn't act like something that contained a mass, which would require, they would require mass to interact with physical existence. So they were kind of like, classified as this in-between kind of a situation. It wasn't until later on where scientists realized through other experiments that neutrinos actually do interact with other physical particles. And we can get into that in a minute here. But what does all of this have to do with starseeds? Well, the body made up of hydrogen, carbon, and nitrogen atoms, the same as we find in the sun. And believe it or not, the human body also goes through a nuclear fusion cycle. We also give off gamma rays, produce waste, light, whatever you want to call it, we are literally radiating as little suns or little seeds of stars. We also, wow. yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We also give off neutrinos. Now, here's how it kind of comes to Scientists have found that these neutrinos, that are given off, uh, particular to the sun, because those are the ones they've studied, when these neutrinos pass through us, they don't really interact, but on occasion, they do. And it's these cosmic particles that can sometimes affect our genetics and cause subtle mutations and maybe according to the scientific community, a contributing factor in evolution. So we have this very profound relationship to 
these neutrinos that are coming off of these cosmic rays, of these solar rays, and of these geophysical rays as they radiate from up through the ground at us. So what do we, what does this information do for us? How does this all come together? Ultimately, the answer can be found in the understanding of what a biofield is, okay? And so briefly defining a biofield, it's the sum total of the electrical currents that are present inside of living bodies that are on many different scales. So examples are the electrical currents given off by the heart, by the brain function, by the lymphatic flow, by the blood, by the ion transport across cell membranes, et cetera, all creating charges. So the biofield is a cumulative effect exerted by these fields on the human body. So typically, this field may act directly on molecular structures and may affect a changing in the conformation of molecules in functionally significant ways, as well as may transfer this bioenergy through energy fields of light. So everything with a, a physical vehicle has a biofield, and this is what helps to explain intuition, empathy. It's this extension of our energy that is interacting with the energy of others, picking up this information and interacting with the other biofield to the point of change. So why is this significant? Well, there is currently a being on this earth Uh, He goes by the name of Mahendra Kumar Trivedi, who is demonstrating the effect of working with other biofields and causing change at different levels. Um, He has demonstrated an ability to change the behavior and characteristics of things such as soil, seeds, plants, trees, animals, microbes, humans, uh, metals, ceramics, polymers, chemicals, compounds of pharmaceutical nature, uh, nutraceuticals. It's a huge laundry list. So he's demonstrating this, like, superhuman ability. I mean, it's like real-life superhero stuff. Well, scientists want to know, how the heck is he doing this? The answers come in the connection between neutrinos and the neutrinos that are being given off by the internal nuclear fusion process in a starseed. The, they have found is this requirement of energy that neutrinos have in order to interact with other particles. And they scientists have found that this is possible by individuals who can negate all stray thoughts 
such as in intense concentration, and focus these in a single intended direction. Now, those who have been part of, you know, <laughs> metaphysical communities will immediately recognize this as the secret of life. It's intention, intention behind the energy and, and focus. Energy follows focus. So all they're doing is confirming this process that has been affirmed by all the ancient texts and, and monks who <laughs> meditate for their whole lives, training themselves to rid themselves of the, the monkey mind chaos that can ensue and create a coherent focus of their neutrinos which then they infuse with intention and then can literally affect their surroundings and their environment. And here's the coolest part. Monks are not the only people who can do this. This is also, uh, this is something that everyone can do, especially starseeds. And so, the neutrinos generated by the thought pattern can create oscillations in the receiver and cause subtle changes that alter atomic, molecular, crystalline, cellular, chemical behaviors that have been dem demonstrated by this man, Trevetti, uh, in these experimental results. And so... These explanations are given based on the current understanding of neutrinos and the information collected, uh, but they want to study this further. It's important, though, for starseeds to know about this to assist with confirming mm, conscious awareness of this process that is natural and constantly occurring because once you have awareness about something then you can put focus on it and once you put focus on it all bets are off gloves come off and here come the creators wow <clears throat> wow <laughs> such a picture of of everything that you were saying how about you, Ariel? What would you like to say about what she just said? Well, I, I wanted to ask: Is this how are neutrinos involved when people like program water? You know, you hold like like Dr. Emoto, you hold the you know glass of water between your hands and you put your intent. It changes the form of the water molecules. Are neutrinos involved in that? Absolutely, that is a phenomenal, phenomenal example of the mechanism of what is occurring. Cool, and of course, I mean, I, I had, I'm thinking about people who might be listening who are just waking up. Um, you, you have, you can't, you stop where another person's free will begins. Yeah. So you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you found a superpower, remember it's it's uh, it, you can't violate free will. Otherwise, you're going to lose it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
this is just the fundamental mechanics of what the potentials are. And there's a lot more where this subject is. I just summarized it, but there's a lot of detail and other variables at play that really um, fill in a lot of blanks and flush out a lot of the, the truth of this. Um, mm-hmm. So, th- yeah, this is, again, just a summary. This is not to say, you know, okay, go run out and work with your okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's an overview of what's possible yeah. and, and how, it, um, how it works scientifically. And, and yeah. certainly um, I, would, I would think, and I also thought of that Jupiter at the crack between the worlds because it seems like the neutrinos are in that crack. Well, then this gets into uh, a very interesting part of all of this, which, again, I don't have time to get into, but that is the relationship that our being and our physical mechanism has with our natural surroundings and with the sun and what the sun means cosmically, what stars are we are with respect to them simply being a a different physical expression of that same energy. I mean, people all the time are saying, you're a star, you're a star. Yes, you are. And it's literal. Right. Right. Just packaged differently. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, this is just—it's <laughs> kind of mind-boggling. So it's gonna—I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's, but I'm—I'm I'm seeing like, oh my gosh. Then that means this, and then that means that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is—it it gives a whole nother um, perception of how metaphysics works. Forefront. This is right. a taste of what is coming in through the new age and it's one of the shifts that we are experiencing this is just an example of information that is coming to light that is affecting a total overhaul of current understandings and belief systems which will in effect completely change the world as we know it because with this information how how can you possibly stand to continue to operate on old programs? Well, right. It's like how many people out there are still using Windows 98? Yeah, exactly. You know, so we've been mm-hmm. living our lives on old paradigms that are just about as obsolete as, you know, Windows 98 or even go back to a, D, you know, a DOS um, system which I never did learn, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have to um, uh, keep updating and reassessing. Well, this isn't working, so this needs to go. And mm-hmm. and oh, this new thing that worked pretty well. Let's go. You know, let's do some more of that because the old the old ways just aren't going to keep working. You know, if you're if you're driving a, a a 1950s car, pretty soon you can't find parts, and it's not getting you around like it used to. Yeah. 
So, yeah, it's time for a new vehicle. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm really, I have a sense that all is in uh, some divine order. You know, yeah. who, whatever the source of that divinity may be for individuals or star seeds or, you know, galactics, but there's a bigger picture. And and yeah, and the and the it, they probably knew this thousands of years ago. In 2022, this alignment is going to happen, and we're going to wait for that because that's what is going to bring, you know, the global change. Yes, not to mention the technologies. Responsible technologies. Y- yes. Well, okay. Yeah. That's Sustainable the other thing too. technologies. Yeah, because I mean. You can't have you can't have microwaves and radiation surrounding you and expect to thrive. Mhm. Yeah. Well, also going back to this Saturn in Aquarius and this Uranus in Taurus, another interpretation of the mixing of these energies is a changing of the forms of technology. Oh, I like that way you put that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technology used to be our slave, and it's turning into our master. You know, and I look around and I see the cell phone zombies. They're oblivious mm-hmm. to everything around them except for what their thumbs are doing. It just, it makes my heart ache. But it's like, be patient. Saturn is going to take care of this. Uranus is going to take care of this. So, yeah, so you've got you've got Saturn in a very electrical energy like, you know, like that like ricocheting all over, but Saturn is holding it. And then and then you've got Uranus, which is that ricochet in a sign that says you got to be stable. Mhm. So, mm-hmm. then yeah. that's that's like, you know, like we, you know, like in the uh, uh when they pull the the lottery numbers from those ping pong balls, just like that, that frenzy of, of things flying all through the air, there is a there's a there's a, a rhythm and a purpose for that chaos because you have to do that in order to pick the winning numbers. And how about taking it a step further and talking about how these energies, these planets that are retrograding, are also demonstrating to us this shifting of form of technology so that we're no longer looking outside of ourselves for technology to assist us in our lives, we'll now turn our focus inward and realize that we are the technology that we've been waiting for. Oh, you're, so, you're so right. This has been yeah. within us the whole time hidden in plain sight. Yeah. You know, and when you said in all these retrograde planets, I saw a slingshot and the, and the cord was getting pulled way, way, way back, way, way tight. And it seems like everything's going backwards, but man, when it reaches a snapping point, it's going to launch us. Yeah. Yeah. Into into a new paradigm. And it's really up to every star seed to take responsibility, to, you know, 
Leave the planet better than you found it. Leave people better than you found them. And, and make choices that are not only good for you, but good for the planet too. Because you can't have one without the other. Or suppose you can have yep. a planet without any people. But <laughs> you can't have people with no planet. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, we had, I mean, I'm just checking to see if anybody was waiting with a question. Uh, no question, no question. Okay. Well, if someone um, did have a question, you, you've got just a minute or two if you want to call in and ask. Um, and the number to call would be 917-889-8292. And then press 1 so we know you have a question. And um, if you're listening on the computer, then you have to pick up the phone. If you're already on the computer, then you just... Um, that you just dial in. So, uh, okay, no question there, no question there. Okay, I just wanted to give people a chance to um, to ask you a question, uh, but uh, as I said, we generally don't have a lot of people asking. Oh, now as soon as I said that, <laughs> I said okay. Well, let's just because uh, I'm trying to keep an eye on the time and um, and be respectful of your time. But if someone had a burning question, you, you got you got just about <laughs> five minutes to uh, to ask it. So, um, when does the last planet uh, go direct? So you gave us the the timing on uh, so Jupiter uh, goes direct November twenty third. Saturn? Yes. Um, November 24th. It's Thanksgiving Day that Jupiter goes direct. Ah. Yeah, Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking. My my solar fire, you know, but that's, I mean, that's Thanksgiving is uh, close enough. Then we have Saturn um, going direct just next week, right? Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, Uranus, uh, January 22nd, and Pluto, Mm -hmm. December 3rd. So, you know, over the holidays, one by one, each of them is going to go direct, and you might feel um, a surge of energy. But um, as you were saying earlier, for people, because Saturn is involved, um, if you have reparations, to perform, um, you need to do it now, <laughs> um, because then you know when 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 Saturn goes direct, um, then you might have to wait for the next window, because uh, yeah. that's I mean it's, it is a time to um, reorganize, restructure, uh, and we're, we're only talking about a week here, so you know. If you know what I think, if you while while it's still retrograde, if you wrote down on a piece of paper, you know things that you want to change, things you want to restructure, things that need to have more boundaries and limits. It's like you know what I'm not being I'm not going to be doing that anymore. I've I've done enough, and then you put a boundary there. It's like you know you set your your limits and what you will do, what you won't do, 
and that's all you know for your own benefit. And then by January, by mid-January, everything is in a forward motion. Um, wait a minute, let me check. Uh, well, except Mercury. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, everything else is going to go direct, and then, you know, December 29th, um, Mercury is going to go retrograde. But thankfully, it, it skipped Christmas this year. And how many, I mean, how many years was Mercury retrograde in December where, you know, everybody's buying electronics that are probably going to flake out? <laughs> so, but yeah. And then by the time we get to the end of January, everything will be smooth, would you say? Yes and no. Because, yes, it's no more of this internal tension, discombobulation, what's going on, I don't know. So there is more of an externalization of the expression of the energy, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee smooth because everything that has been percolating to that point then gets unleashed and there is this uh, bombardment of physical reality of all these expressions at once like a band of horses, wild horses running through. And there is order in that, but at the same time, I mean, grass gets kicked up, um, trees can get knocked, uh, shrubbery can get destroyed, et cetera. And you kind of got to get out of the way with all of this forward <laughs> yeah. energy. <laughs> yeah, it's like when the when the gates come up, in the starting gate and all the horses start yeah. running, you better not be yeah. standing in front of the gate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, I, I almost saw a cartoon with that. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, just stand off to the side when those gates open up uh, and don't be standing right in front of it or jump on one of the horses and go with it. There you go. Yeah, that would be my ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's let's get on that. And get on that white pony. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, gosh. Well, let me uh, let me just make sure. I think we have we have uh, no one with a question that's been overlooked. So, um, just wanted to make sure. So, is there anything you want to say in closing? Um, just, uh, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was waiting for Lavendar to say that. Yeah, buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> but understand that these are the times that we all came here for. Yeah. And, you know, we have we have the skills, we have the records, we have the off-world support. We simply need to ask for it if we need it. And, you know, join together. Stay close with your, with your starseed brothers and sisters because unity of intent can be really, really powerful. I wonder if we had a bunch of, star, we had a bunch of starseeds working those neutrinos with the same intention, 
that could be near miraculous. There's a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to have to hold you for another minute or so because someone just called, and I think they might have a question, but I'll have to wait till um, our producer gets done making sure it's on point. Um, so uh, let's see. You covered everything really, really well, and I and I love the analogies that you make because you know when you're talking about you know nuclear physics and quantum physics, yeah. I mean yeah, I mean most of us it just it's like I'm just going to sit over here with the dunce cap on because that's like way beyond my pay grade, um, but it's really not. I mean we don't have to go through all the schooling. You just get the concept, you get the big picture, and you understand. Yeah. And all I was going to ask, if you think, I mean, would you consider neutrinos a a zero-point energy because it's neither positive nor negative? Exactly, yes. There are so many different ways we can uh, interpret or, or, you know, use metaphor for whatever drives it home for you. But, yes, that is another way. To say it, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I wonder when you know because I mean in the in the past decade, um, you know, zero point energy is something that just about every star seed has heard of. And mm-hmm. I mean, the way it was explained to me is that it's the it's the point between, like you know, two magnets is neither negative nor positive. It's it's just neutral. And when you said that, I was like, hmm, I wonder. Um, okay, um, I'm waiting. Okay. All right, we do have a question on Jupiter. So you're going to be talking to Maddie. Let me get your mic open, sweetie. Hello. Okay. Hey, Maddie, you are on the air with Riley, so go ahead with your question. Hi, Riley. My name is Maddie, and uh, I have a question about Jupiter. I, I read, I glossed over something today that Jupiter is very close to Earth, the first time in 59, 60 years. And I thought, wow, what does that mean? I mean, what an effect it has on everybody. Does it have an effect on everybody, Jupiter? Oh, certainly, yeah. What you were reading about there is the quality of enhancement that Jupiter carries and represents. You see, Jupiter, speaking in terms of physics, is an extremely large body floating around in space, one of the largest in our solar system. And as a result, he has a very strong uh, pull and potency uh, in terms of his gravitational effect, or what they call it. So when Jupiter brings himself closer to the Earth, that effect is experienced like tenfold to us here on the planet. And what that gets interpreted as is an amplification and an enhancement or an expanding of all that is being communicated by the other planets. However, in our particular situation, Neptune is one of the closest um, at this time. The qualities of Neptune are extremely expanded. But backing up here, um, 
the fact that Jupiter is in Aries, it's all amplifying and expanding the sense of self, individual, and at a sphere high goddess energy we were talking about. So, yeah, this is certainly a, a potency and a galvanizing force that is being birthed within each of us that's getting ready uh, momentarily uh, to go direct and to really push forward when Jupiter enters Aries December 20th. Oh, okay. And yeah. how long would it stay? Would it be around for a year or more? Now that's a really great question. Typically, Jupiter does stay in a zodiac sign for about a year. However, that has not been the case for the past year and a half. Um, Jupiter blasted through Pisces uh, this past year and went straight into Aries and is coming back into Pisces at the tail end of this year. And then we'll be going back into Aries. But then next year, um, I'd have to look at it again. I don't remember precisely when. Um, Taurus. So it's a, a bit of a short-lived window of these new beginnings, this, this new kind of energy and these openings, um, as well as that theme of fire of purification that I was talking about earlier. So, Oh, yeah, in um, Aries, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So to answer your question, uh, this is a bit unusual that Jupiter is only going to be spending a trace amount of time in this sign and moving quickly into the next sign, which is Taurus. However, we will have a bit of a deja vu effect happening next year in the sense that Jupiter, once again, will be retrograding back through Taurus, back into Aries, much like it's doing right now with Aries and Pisces energies. But that's Mm -hmm. a whole other topic. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pisces yeah. and Aries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the Alpha and the Omega. You know, Pisces yeah. being the last sign of completion, of spiritual attainment, of selflessness. And then the first sign, which is all about the self. And when those two come together, you've got like yeah. a whole individual that has the spiritual selflessness without losing yourself. Because that's, you oh. know, organized, yeah. religion, organized religion wants us to abolish ourselves and just be egoless. Uh, I, I yeah. personally yeah. think that, that's out of balance. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it not, you know they, they have to be in balance. Yeah. Because too much, too much selflessness turns in, then you're a martyr. Or too much, you know, ego then nobody can stand me around you. So, I know. You know, you have to have, you have, to have the two yeah, in exactly. balance. You're right. You're right. You kind of try to have a balance. That's very true. But my, 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 my Venus, my Pisces is in Venus in the eighth house. Is that, um, yeah, anyway, you said Pisces. Uh, that's the last sign of the whole, of the, all the zodiacs, which make them, Pisces, right. very spiritual, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it carries a little bit of all the other signs, um, and there is a, you know, spiritual attainment 
but then you know then you come back around the wheel again so it's an it's a an endless cycle that that spirals upwards mhm mhm wow. but yeah that um yeah venus in pisces again pisces is about self-sacrifice being of service to others um and and for the people that you love you may give way too much until you wake up one day and realize that you're you've painted yourself into a corner and now they expect you to do all that um yeah i have given all my life yes mm-hmm. yeah that i yeah, did giving, wake up you're right i will i i kind of woke up and it's like hmm what's been yeah, given yeah, to I, me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right yeah, I think we've all been there, you know, star yeah. seeds, mm-hmm. you know, metaphysical mm-hmm. people, enlightened mm-hmm. spiritual people. They all, I mean, you've got to, you, you're programmed to to be of service. That's it. That's you know, it. but you, you have to draw the line. And get rid of those programming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that, that's, what, that's what Riley's, she's been talking about. All these retrograde planets are giving us a chance to delete, uninstall, um, all of those programs that are obsolete, they no longer serve us, and they were only created to um, to dominate us and keep us uh, from claiming our power. So, mm-hmm. oh my God, yeah. I love, yeah. I love, I love the way she put that. Oh my God, yes. yeah, yeah. So, well, thank yeah. you so much for calling in, Maddie. Well, thank you. I, that was. I'm gonna go back and listen to the whole show because, like I said, I just tuned in. And I thought, oh, ah, Archie, okay. new, new, neutrino connection, however you pronounce that. I said, what is that? <laughs> neutrino, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, our archives, we've got over, I think, over 500 shows because we've been on the air since 2010. So, oh, um, first I'm hearing you. Okay. Oh, yeah, you've got, you've got lots of stuff to play with. Oh well, that's that's my favorite downtime is playing around, gathering. Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, speaking, you can you can information. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can download any of our shows, put them on your iPod, and, and just you know listen to that instead of you know um, <laughs> yeah. network television. So, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. Oh yeah. Thanks so much for calling in. So thank you for answering okay. my question. Have a great evening. Oh, you're, you're quite welcome. Uh-huh. You too, sweetie. Bye bye. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, Riley, I am just so so proud of you. I mean, you have you have just really uh, you've got a good handle on so much that you're ahead of your time. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to giving you a big hug in Arkansas at our quest next month. And um, I think we have one more show before we go, um, and then and then we'll be off for uh, uh, two or three weeks. But I'll let you all know during the next episode, which would be, I think, November 4th, November uh Sixth, is that okay? I'm having trouble with math again. November, <laughs> November first. November first is would be our our last show before we go to Arkansas. So, um, thanks so much, Riley. You just Thank you've done you. an excellent, masterful job. 
Well, thank you. It's fun. Uh, and so it's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and any time when you have these revelations that that come from the you know from the crystals in the ground, make sure you write them down because this was a oh, good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to wrap up now. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Um, and we will be back, as I just said, uh, November 1st. And until then, just keep gratitude in your heart and replace judgment with compassion. Steps one and two to the fifth dimension. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.